0: All right, we are into Hour 2 of the program. Welcome back to Sportsnet today. It is Logan Gordon and Pat Steinberg along with you on this Wednesday, August 23rd. August 23rd already. We are here in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios in Calgary, Alberta with our outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, this afternoon. Hour 1 in the books. Lots of hockey talking, Hour 1. NHL reporting that, NHL.com reporting on some comments from Bill Daly that the NHL would like to return to a somewhat regular international competition schedule starting February 2025. Bill Daly said that at the European Player Media Tour on Wednesday. Heard some interesting comments from Elias Pettersson, William Nylander, Talking to uh, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. We heard from uh, from William Nylander in hour one. Plus, our NHL offseason in review continued. Eduardo Insignia joining us. to you end off the hour, we looked at the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have been busy of late. That Brandon Hagel extension got done the other day. Mostly a quiet offseason for the Tampa Bay Lightning, who aren't used to having these sort of long off seasons. They lost out in round one to the Toronto Maple Leafs. So they'll look to bounce back out the likes of Pat Maroon, but in names like Josh Archibald, Connor Sheary. There's a new backup in town for Andre Vasilevsky. So we dived into all things Tampa Bay Lightning. You get that wherever you get your podcast, the Hour One podcast, and all of our podcasts go up just moments after every hour finishes. You can find them on Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher. Going to be lots of CFL talk this hour. Coming up in hour two, we will chat with former Calgary stampeder, former stampeder coach, and now Toronto Argonauts defensive coordinator, Corey Mace, is going to join us a little bit later on. We're kicking things off with a look at the Calgary Stampeders. They're back at practice. They're getting set to head to Toronto for a massive game against the Argos on Friday with your latest on the Calgary Stampeders you know it's going to be a good Stamps Report when this guy checks in it's Matty Rose from McMahon with your Wednesday edition of the Stamps Report
1: This, this is the Stamps
0: Report with Matty Rose The
2: Stampeders held their final practice Wednesday ahead of their game Friday in Toronto against the 7-1 Toronto Argonauts. Interesting challenge here for Calgary. They are the one and only team to beat Toronto this year. A 20-7 victory at McMahon just under three weeks ago. Things are slightly different now. That was against a backup quarterback after Chad Kelly got hurt in the first quarter of the game. The game was at McMahon. It will be out in Toronto now. Some slight personnel changes on either side. Although, like I mentioned, relatively slight, Dave Dickinson talked about the challenges that this Toronto team poses when he joined George Russick and I on the Big Show for his usual Wednesday morning chat.
3: We know our opponent, but we can't focus on our opponent. We've got to try to figure out um, what we need to do better and put ourselves back in a situation for a winnable game and come through in the clutch. I mean, it's going to be tough. They're on a bye. They had a good chance to look at us. They're super healthy. Quarterback's back that uh, we knocked him out in the last time we played them and. Uh, you know, they also obviously it's their only loss, so they'll they'll be uh, geared up, uh, ready to make, and you know, in their minds, make things right. So, um, yeah, huge huge challenge. Um, been doing okay when we go into Toronto. They've got their P and E going on, and we're literally staying on the grounds. We're like right next oh, to it, so tons of distractions. We're we're in a hole. Let's see how the guys respond. Hopefully, we play a good game.
2: I I'm very interested, just in a sense of. How you're going to take this on when you've got all of these different variables at play, and you've beaten this team, but at the same time you have to focus on yourself. You can't really look past it. What are one of the what What are some of the big things that you're looking for as far as this Toronto offense when it comes to uh, trying to move the ball against your group?
3: Well, they got a lot of weapons. They throw the ball down the field. They take their shots. They get big plays, uh, and then really their identity is is grinding out with the run game. So it's not a lot of like 12, 15 play drives. We're talking, they, they hit you, they hit you, hit you. And then they go over the top score. So very explosive. Um, You know, I hope for us in order to win, we got to win the turnover battle. We have to, Uh, you know, if we can get some extra possessions and and force them into mistakes uh, that that'll, that's the thing that'll turn this game in our favor. So we got to do that. And it's easier said than done. I mean, if the ball is coming to you though, you got to find a way to make a play on the ball and, and as an offense, we can't be giving it away. So you saw the BC Sask game, or the people that like football saw it. It was a 5 nothing turnover win for Sask. And even though the game was only a five-point game, that is what's needed. When you're an underdog, you must win the turnover battle, and that's what we have to do.
2: Now to win the turnover battle, several things have to happen on both sides of the ball for the offense. Jake Mayer has to be sharp with his reads, but also careful not to throw into danger. He was 22 for 24 in the last meeting between these two clubs. Only threw for 149 yards, but no interceptions, and the Stampeders won. Receivers are going to have to battle when the danger does happen. Line has to be picking up the blitzes, helped out by the running backs. Calgary had 137 yards on the ground from Diedrich Mills in the last game. That is plenty enough to help out the offense. Last week, it felt like the Stampeders were able to get the ball downfield a little bit more, but still could not get the ball into the end zone.
3: You guys made some plays. I mean, um, you know, we did have, we got to give them opportunities. We got to give them one-on-one opportunities to make plays. I mean, there were some nice catches too. I mean, Markin had an amazing catch yeah. kind of uh, over the top of a uh, free safety trying to work back and, The negative was when we had the big plays, we still sent Renee out, and we can't win with eight field goal attempts. Uh, We just can't. We're just. uh, We also, obviously, uh, as a team, you can see it on the sideline. uh, We're waiting for someone else to make a play. We've got to. We've got to make the play ourselves, and uh, hopefully, we can do that soon.
2: Quite obviously, been a very frustrating season for fans, players, staff, you name it. Especially when you look back at how a lot of the losses have come, like last week. Renee Paradis hits three field goals from 40 yards or more to start. The team finally gets to the red zone, but they have to kick a fourth field goal instead of scoring a touchdown. Then shortly after that, Jake Mayer throws a pick six, which ends up being the only touchdown for either team in the entire game, and they end up losing the game by just a single point with a couple of long missed field goals later on in the game as well. Four of the seven losses for Calgary, they have been within a score. They've really only had one blowout loss. They've been close. But that just makes things even perhaps more frustrating.
3: We've just gotta find a way to press on and and there's sayings all over the place, you know, keep chopping and you know press on. but to me, it makes sense because sometimes slogans are said because they might be something that can work and and yeah, our path is and our where we see us going is certainly altered, and we're not on a smooth road at all. There's lots of rocks in the way, but is there a way for us to keep keep pressing, keep keep going? uh grind it out and find a different path to ultimately get to the same place we want to get to, sure. Difficult, steeper, uh windier, lots of problems in the way, but um I still like what our team has shown as far as uh, they've bought in, they give you everything you got. We're just not playing well enough. We're not getting any of that those plays that seem to get you momentum. You know, we were actually a team that kinda had a few that deflated us. So once that happens I, I felt like we were resilient. We kept fighting, but that game was there to be had and did have a backup quarterback playing. It was a game I felt we not only uh, could have won, probably should have won, and it didn't happen.
2: Not to say that they are close to being a championship team, but close to being able to string together success and a few wins, which breeds confidence, which breeds success, which turns you into a championship-caliber team. The best-stamps teams wouldn't hit their stride until midseason. When you go back and think about 16, 17, 18, there would be errors early in the year maybe a loss here or there but they would typically find ways to overcome them and that just has not been the same this year they still have time but it is certainly starting to wane with labor day just next week it is wild to think past the halfway mark of the season the Stampeders are on pace for a losing year that's not the wild part it certainly happens but the wild part is that Dave Dickinson has never been on a team with a losing record either as a player or a coach not to say that he hasn't lost or been on losing streaks but his teams have always been find a way to pull it out of the fire and get above five hundred.
3: Well, I've only I've only been on one <clears throat> losing team yeah. in my entire. I, figured, I was going to say, I
4: haven't done a lot of losing.
3: No, but in San Diego, we were five mm-hmm. and two. Yeah, and uh, Doug Flutie was the quarterback, and uh, we were five and two, and we finished that year five and eleven, and that got heavy, you know, the nine straight losses and finding different ways to lose them. I remember. I remember running out the field in Kansas City. I'm the third-string quarterback, with no, I have no impact on the game. Mm-hmm. And the refs had called a, a penalty on Rodney Harrison. I thought was was baloney, and I'm yelling at the refs like, uh, "You cost us the game." Blah blah blah. And one of the guys kind of grabbed my arm and said, hey, just remember it's a $25,000 fine in the NFL. I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a little more quiet yeah. next time. But uh, <laughs> even the third-string quarterback's frustrated, you know. Um, so it gets heavy, and um, it's, it's very difficult to get yourself out of it. But like I said, the only way I know is press on and find different ways to do what you're doing because it's not working. So you can't just do what you've been doing. You've got to do something different. That may not work as well, but uh, we certainly are going to try to do that.
2: As far as the roster goes for the Peters, does not look like Bryce Bell will be able to dress at left tackle on the offensive line. Donnie Demery looks to have the inside track for that start. Also unsure on running back Kadim Carey. He didn't do a lot at Wednesday's practice after Dave Dickinson had this to say about Carey during the big show.
3: I mean, he's fighting another quad injury now, and then he got sick, and... Mm-hmm. He's had he's had the year that all of us have had, is unfortunately for him. He he loves to play and he wants to be out there and he gosh he's a great he supports his guys and nobody's happier when Mills is doing well than Kadim. But right now as a team we need we need him. We need his energy. We need his swagger. We need the guy that's out there saying you can't stop me and for him, unfortunately, he's played in uh just a couple games this year and it just it just hasn't hasn't happened for him. So Hopefully he's back as soon, if not this week. But uh, he certainly can't seem to catch a break, and it certainly has affected us.
2: Diedrich Mills in line to get the start at running back. If Kerry cannot go, he'll look for a second straight successful game against this Toronto club, mentioned 137 yards on the ground in that victory three weeks ago. At receiver, a lot of options. Expect the regulars. Trey Odom's Dukes, Reggie Bagleton, Mark and Michelle, Luther Hakunavanu. I wonder how much of Floyd Allen, Markeith Ambles, and Rice and John we will see with Tommy Lee Lewis also not looking ready for this game. Defensively, front four remains unchanged, as do the linebackers. We'll see what the secondary looks like with a couple of variables. The biggest is how is Jonathan Moxie's back? He looked limited in practice on Wednesday. Dave Dickinson said this on the big show Wednesday morning before practice.
3: Well, we're not sure exactly where he's going to line up. Mm. Um, Here's what happened with John is he had a back spasms.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I don't know if anyone's ever had them but oh, yeah. if you if you have you know they can pop up at any time And so I'm very cautious even right now at uh you know because I got to take a 4-hour plane ride and mm-hmm. if you go out there and it seizes I don't have any other players or road trips are very difficult so we'll see how he does today and and make our judgment. He's not out of the woods yet on that because he still had a he said a couple twinges yesterday. Mm-hmm even though he wants to play and he wants Mm. to get out there. So you're right about continuity, though. Uh, We did have a good game with the guys that played, and um, uh, I thought we took a step forward. And obviously you want to add your best players, but you do want to keep as much continuity as possible. Lots
2: of options in that secondary. Should not be a huge list of changes, but there could be some. Don't expect Titus Wall to be one of those changes. The Sam linebacker has been quite solid in his second CFL year. Took some time after practice to chat with our old pal Riley Pollock. Now with Stampeders.com and myself about this upcoming matchup, as well as building off what was a strong rookie year cut short by injury.
1: Oh, yeah, that's been the motive every week, you know, to find something to get better at, no matter if I have a good performance or a bad performance. Every week, just come out and find something I can improve on to help the team win. All three of the Stamps linebackers in that 11th are better in tackles. What can you say about your uh, group of three at the starting position? And we're hungry. You know, we want it at that position. Uh, we won't be satisfied with what we get, and we always want more.
0: And your team has lost three games this year by a touchdown or less. How do you kind of make sure that you're on the other side of those close games? Uh,
1: you know, just from a defensive standpoint, we need the ball more. You know, we've been lacking in turnovers and takeaways, and so if we're able to get more of those, that helps help contribute to a lot more wins. Do
2: you feel like you've been close in turnovers,
1: though? Uh, we've had some opportunities for sure. We left some players on the field. And then, uh, you know, coaches put us in real good positions to make players on the ball, so it was just up, up to us to finish on the plays.
2: You were very successful at the Sam position last year, and then you got hurt. How do you feel you've kind of been this year as far as fi- finding that position and making it your own and kind of building on what was almost a lost season for
1: you? You know, I'm still learning. You know, every day, no matter what, kind of stats accolades I get I'm always absorbing and you know treating it like I'm a sponge so whatever comes with it I'm always taking up the the most knowledge I can from the vets the coaches uh, all my peers just so I can be the best version of myself on the field
2: there's been some different bodies in that secondary for you who are some of the guys that you're you're close with or maybe veterans from the CFL that you're learning from this year?
1: you know really the whole room we're a very tight-knit room uh, we talk you know a bunch throughout the day throughout practice even after practice you know, outside of the field. So it's just that relationship and that communication helps us just play a lot faster and have that trust on the field with each other.
2: What are you going to do to try and limit what Toronto can do at home? We know their offense is good, but you guys held them really well in that game just a few weeks back.
1: We just got to be Simon sound and execute. That's all we got to do and play our brand of ball. And just lots of season left. How confident is your group that you're able to turn around? You know, very confident, but we just take it one week at a time. You know, that's all we can do. One week at a time, and we'll get to where we want to go.
2: The depth charts will drop Thursday morning before the Stampeders board their plane for Toronto and a little Friday night football with the Argos. With your Stampeders report, I'm Matt Rose.
0: Thank you, Matty. Appreciate that. Yes, that depth chart going to be one to look at, Pat, because it sure doesn't seem uh, as though the Stampeders are going to be with, uh, with Kadeem Carey. Lee Lewis, and potentially starting left tackle Bryce Bell in a very big game against the Argos.
5: Yeah, going up against that defensive line with old buddy Falera or Oramalade on the other side. And and that those Hendricks and Oakman in the interior of that Toronto D-line have been really, really strong as well. I mean, look, we're going to talk to Corey Mason about 10 minutes, the defensive coordinator of the Argos, former Stampeders D-line coach. And... <inaudiblearthybud Johannesburg> <Ss> I mean what he's done with that Argos group since getting there as defensive coordinator is is pretty remarkable and uh right now I mean there is formidable in fact i, I don't know if there is a more formidable defense in the c f l than what the Argos throw at you in all three layers and I know that winnipeg is has has got their high end playmakers and b c 's been really really strong this year too but scariest scariest defense to play against right now is that Argos group because they come at you from all angles. They got all stars on the front four. They've got uh, a linebacker duo like that. Jordan Williams deal has, has paid off really well for them. And Winton McManus, the former stamp has been outstanding. And then with what they've got with Peter- Jamal Peters and um, Robertson Daniel on their boundary side. And, you know, Deshaun Amos is back. Like they just, there's, there's not a weakness in that Argos defense. So, uh, and, and so now you lose your start, potentially lose your starting left tackle against that group. Not fun. Um, you know, they've been okay with, without Kadim in the lineup and, uh, no carry hasn't been a big time hindrance for them at times. And it's been a tough year for Kadim just with injuries. And it's been tough for him to really get any traction, but you know, they've, they've been okay at times in the run game. And I think with Mills there, they're still somewhat dangerous, but yeah, you don't, you don't want to be any more shorthanded than you already are against the best team in the CFL. That's for sure.
0: No. And offensively. You know, we know what they bring to the table with more Stampeders, you know, Davaris Daniels is having a big year for them, quietly has had a couple big years uh, in Toronto yeah. ever since leaving Calgary. Chad Kelly, uh, like we talked about, was your uh, mid-season MOP uh, for one of your latest articles at CFL.ca, and it's hard to argue with that. They've been so good, uh, you know, their O-line there. They've got a couple guys making a case for uh, CFL awards, some being real you know, vocal about it. It's pretty crazy. Uh, how that goes as well. So uh, yeah, look, this is going to be a tough test for the Calgary Stampeders and add, add, even, even adding all the injuries, right? Just the, the demon that knows you, right? And in and Corey Mason, Ryan Dinwiddie, there's guys on both sides of the ball that have so much knowledge yep. of this Calgary because They're Dave Dickinson disciples really, right? They're the ones that, uh, you know, forged their path. And look, they, they obviously did it on their own merit, but you know, they've learned under Dave Dickinson and all the great coaches that Calgary's had over the years. That's just an added layer that I don't think people talk about enough when you talk about that continuity between coaching staff and players, yeah. tendencies in situations, all that stuff matters and it's only going to make life harder for the Stampeders. So we're already in tough against the seven and one Argos team.
5: Yeah. hundred percent. And, and you know, an Argos team that also knows who their only loss has come to this season. And it came uh, at McMahon stadium against the Stampeders. And, and you know that the Argos won't forget that either. So yeah, stamps are in tough on Friday, but you know, if they can, if, if all of a sudden Stampeders pull off a second straight upset against Toronto, well, then you've got a team feeling really good about themselves going into two crucial must-win games against Edmonton. And I say they're must-win because they're, they're not even must-win in my eyes. They're more so can't-lose. You cannot lose one of those games against the, the last-place Elks. So you beat Toronto... Now all of a sudden you're feeling really good about your game going into two that you've got to have against Edmonton. Maybe, maybe that can start to put them in uh, a little bit of a a, a better place and maybe we can start talking about this Stamps team a little closer to getting on a roll.
0: Uh, Well, let's not waste any more time. Let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Really excited for this chat. Uh, One of the good guys in the league. He was great while he was here in Calgary as a player. Transitioned to a, a great coach for this team as well and now doing great things, surprising absolutely no one uh, with the Toronto Argonauts as their defensive coordinator. Quickly, Pat, on this, wouldn't, wouldn't stun me if this guy we're talking about is a head coach sooner than later somewhere in the league. That's oh, how, he's, he's already gotten like bites. That trajectory has got to be the next step for Corey Mace.
5: 100%. And I mean, kind of that Stampeder's, uh, as, as rough as the stamps have been this year, that Stampeder's coaching tree from Ryan Dinwiddie, you know Brent Monson's a guy that I think is is very much head coach material in the CFL. I think Corey Mace, who is in the same spot as Monson's in, as defensive coordinator in Toronto. I think Mace will be a head coach in this league. Yeah, the, the staffs have been able to churn out some pretty good coaching candidates over the years.
0: Looking forward to talking to him. Corey Mace joins myself and Pat Steinberg next. This is Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
5: All right, Steinberg, logo along with you. Week 12 in the CFL kicks off Thursday in Winnipeg. Bombers and Montreal Alouettes. And then Friday in Toronto, it's the Argos at 7-1 and one against the Calgary Stampeders, a Stamps team that needs a win and an Argos team that uh, has looked very good in defense of the uh, Grey Cup they won in November. And uh, as we get set for the game on Friday in Toronto, it's... Uh, Pretty cool to say hello to our next guest. He is the defensive coordinator of the defending Grey Cup champion Toronto Argonauts, uh, former Stampeders D line coach, friend of the program. Corey Mace joins us on the program on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline right now. Mace, what's going on?
4: What's good, boys? It's been a minute. It's
5: good to hear from you. What uh, what is new in Corey Mace's world? What's uh, what's kicking, man?
4: Nah, you know, just work, uh, family life, and dealing with, uh, what is this, the this—the just right outside of our office here, so there's a million people every day, traffic's insane to get out of here, but other than that, lovely.
5: How uh, how you feeling ahead of Friday night?
4: Feeling good, man, feeling confident, uh, you know, in, in a week of practice, and just ready to see if these boys are, are ready to go when it's time to kick off
5: yeah i guess you're uh you're coming off a bye you're seven and one um you've had a really really great start to the season you approach the midway mark now how would you uh how would you rate the first eight games of the year how would you rate the first half of the season in defense year gray cup
4: yeah i mean it's it, it's pretty good I, obviously you know the record speaks for a lot that goes into that outside of you know defensively but uh I'm pretty pleased, man, as far as some of the things that we preached in this training camp, uh, as the coaching staff, that the guys are taking to the field. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the last time we played Calgary, they got the best of us. Uh, and even offensively, I think uh, they got the best of us in a certain categories. And we got to clean it up, you know. Uh, Calgary, you know, despite what the record says, we still believe they're a really good team. So uh, we got to be on our A game. And because clearly, if we're not, you know, we're not going to walk out uh, happy. So. We've got to stay locked into the details and get the job done now.
5: You uh you you've been on teams that have won before. You've been on coaching staffs of teams that have won before, but here you are, you know, you're in the, the highest position you've held in football as a D coordinator, and now your team's defending Great Cup champions. Like have you have you noticed a difference in terms of how opponents are playing you? Have you noticed a, a different target on your back this year?
4: Yeah, I do. I think uh you know, switching the mindset for some of the guys this year that they got to understand. Uh, you know that the teams are going to come and attempt their best, their best game, uh, bring their A game, and bring their best game. You know, every time they play us. You know, we've been fortunate enough, some of us coaches and even players over here, to to be a part of teams that you know we had that um, we had that same mentality. You know, understanding how teams were going to approach us. Uh, not to say that teams don't go into every game. You know, playing like that, but there is. I think a little bit of extra um, when it comes at not only playing, you know, the team who, who held the crown the year before, but, you know, obviously we're sitting where we are. Um, and I think uh, it's becoming now that it's not a shock, uh, you know, that, that yeah. we're, you know, as, as, as good as we have been. Um, so I think teams just, just as, uh, as we respect every opponent, I think teams respect us as well. Um, and we're going to get everybody's best. Um, so I just, you know, the guys, the guys, I think are just coming into their own understanding that, which just really pushes us every week and every day really uh, to up the ante for ourselves because we can't just come in there, expect to, you know, to to suit them up and and we're just going to walk away with a win. That's not the approach we take. So uh, these guys, I really love these guys over here, man. They're, They're workers. Uh, and they put it together, and if it's not right, you know, they get on each other and hold each other accountable. So that's what you, you want from uh, from the coach's
5: standpoint. Well, and, and you know, you pull off the epic Grey Cup win last year, and, and you know, in, in my eyes, and this is no knock on Chad or McLeod or, or AJ and all the guys who were huge on the offensive side of things, but, you know, the way that your group came to ball in that game and, and the way that you frustrated that Bombers attack, you know, I, I look back, I'm like, geez, you know, if, that, that that defense that Corey had was, was pretty dialed for uh, for that great cup. And it seems like you've picked up right where you've left off. Now, that's from afar. You're the guy. You're the perfectionist. You're the D.C. How, how would you rate your unit? How would you rate the way that your group's played away from the ball this year?
4: Yeah, I think, uh, you, you know, having the guys that have returned to be in the system again and, you know, uh, being familiar with what we're looking for and, you know, I got a, a really good staff man over here and they do an excellent job, you know, coaching up the rooms as well. So, uh, you know, it's really takes heed to, to, you know, when a coach is telling you something and if we want to make changes or guys are feeling comfortable now that they want to put their spin on it as players, uh, you know, we'll listen, um, and see if it works. You know what I mean? That's similar to what it was, uh, you know, back in, uh, in Calgary as well. Um, so it's, it's, it's nice for those guys who've been back to allow us to expand on on the playbook and what we like and adding different tweaks to it man so um, as far as what we expected to start the season and and, and coming in I think this is kind of where we want it to be um and the guys uh, are, are pleased with it but trust me when I tell you nobody if, you wouldn't think if you were around the building you wouldn't you wouldn't you have no idea what our record was it doesn't make a difference you know what I mean these guys just work like i said so that's that's what I love most about these
0: Team. We're
5: uh, chatting with Toronto Argonauts defensive coordinator Corey Mace here on Sportsnet today. Argos host the Stampeders on Friday at BMO Field in Toronto. Corey, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline logo.
0: Uh, Mace, we're good to talk to you again, pal. I-, I would love to know from your perspective, man, what it's like. We always joke about you know those former Stampeders coming to Toronto, but you got a real good one coming in uh, Falero Remolade. Uh, Talk to us about what he's brought to your defense and just kind of the impact maker he's been on that D-line for
4: you. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Flo, as everybody in Calgary knows, and really across the league knows, uh, he's a disruptive player, and he's been really good for us, uh, you know, obviously on the field. But, you know, the intangibles of what the guy brings, uh, you know, in the meeting rooms and in the locker room, you know, he's really grown into a leader role over here. Uh, You know, again, accountability is big. He's holding guys in our room uh, in the defensive line accountable. Um, and, and the guys uh, you know, are listening to that, and then obviously you cut the tape on and uh, see what he's able to do uh, disruption-wise and even some other things that we ask him to you know, drop back in coverage or whatever we ask him to do. Man. He's, he's game for it all. Um, he's a true professional. That's, that's what you love most about flow. Uh, you know, I think uh, everybody who's had a chance to work with him understands that. So I've uh, been real pleased to have him. I'm sure everybody in the, in the building would speak the same.
0: I found it interesting, the similarities when you were in Calgary coaching up here. You have you know Mike Rose and Derek Wigan down the middle, and in Toronto, you've kind of got two similar pillars. I don't know if people talk enough about Sean Oakman and, and Dwayne Hendricks that you got in the middle there for a couple years in Toronto. How important is it to have two guys that you can trust in the middle, whether it comes to those pass rushing lanes or just being there to help stuff up the run? How important are those two guys in the middle of your defense?
4: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, if you really look at it, it's the, you know, straight up the, the middle. That's the quickest line to the quarterback as far as pass game is concerned. And, you know, there's, uh, it's usually uh, the majority of the trench warfare is coming inside with those defensive tackles. So they are, they are crucial uh, to any defense. Um, but uh, again, these guys and obviously other guys that we have at that position who've been here uh, the last couple of years, uh, they're just getting more comfortable. Um, you know, whereas, you know, last year there's had to be, you know, a bunch of reminders and stuff just to keep these guys uh, on their P's and Q's. Now they're getting a little bit more comfortable uh, within the system, knowing when and where they can take chances. Um, but again, you know, those guys are still eager to learn and to grow week by week, and they do all the extra work, man, to get that done. That's, uh, I love that. Like, I keep going back to that. These guys are, they want to be great, you know, they want to be better. Um, And they'll work to do that. So you can't ask for much more as a coach than that.
0: I know it's not a big league, Macer, but have you noticed a considerable difference coaching out East in Toronto in play style against opponents, anything like that that's had to change considerably from your time in Calgary?
4: Yeah, yeah, I I feel like uh, the one main thing, I mean, this year, I thought the East was playing pretty good, but uh, I'd say for whatever reason, it feels like it's a, a little bit more physical brand of football. I could be. That's just my personal opinion.
0: Yeah.
4: Um. Um. But that's yeah. That's kind of the the vibe I get. Maybe that's just the East Coast vibe. You know how people are out <laughs> of the east. I don't know, man. But I do. I do feel like that's that's the case. Um. Uh. But you know, you, you look uh, across the league. Obviously, you, you know, physical brand of football, running the football. You know, you shoot, Calgary did a good job versus us last time. Winnipeg's always a threat in the run game. So. I mean, maybe I'm talking on the side of my face, but it feels like it's more aggressive on the sideline. That's what it feels like.
0: How nice is it to have a guy like Josh Bell to lean on, a guy that you know well from your time in Calgary, and a guy that I'm sure you trust to to instill those same principles for the DBs that you have for the rest of the defense?
4: Yeah, yeah. You know, Bell's uh, Bell's my guy. Obviously, played with him, coached alongside of him as well, and uh, you know, I, I love giving Bell the free reign, uh, you know, uh with the the guys in the back end along with Coach Fields and uh, you know, and, and Bell's a, an animated guy to, you know, from his playing days to, to even now on the sidelines, you know, he he keeps the guys in check, you know, and uh, I'm focusing on some other stuff as well. So uh that's my guy, uh, you know, through and through. So very, very pleased he he's here with us, uh, but extremely happy with him. Uh, Willie and Kevin Ivan, man, these guys are excellent coaches.
0: Be honest, there's no group that's more unique to a football team than the DBs, right? There's, there's no other group like the DB group in any locker room, right?
4: Yeah, I, I don't know, man. No? There's, there's, been a, there's been a couple. Of, there's been a couple of different <laughs> locker rooms. I could probably I could probably battle that that's uh, that spot from you. review, but no, you're you're right. If you're majority of the time, no, those guys are definitely unique for sure, man.
0: Uh me and Steinberg were chatting uh, off the air before we uh we got to you we were just talking about how good Jordan Williams has been uh since coming over, his first year in the double blue, and the guy just seems to be a tackling machine, seems to just read the field so well. Uh what have you seen from him in his first year in your defense?
4: Yeah, I mean, it, it just exactly that. You know, we put some stress on him early to, uh, you know, learn both linebacker positions, being new to a defense, and he handles it really well. Again, Jordan's very similar to Flo in the way he conducts business. Um, you know, he's he's truly work, you know what I mean? So that's, that's really good uh, for us to see, and, uh, even, you know, he had a, a little bit of a setback with uh, a little bit of an injury bug, but, you know, he's back out there getting back to being comfortable, and he's flying around making plays again. Uh, we're really pleased with Jordan, man. I just want to see him continue to take that path for himself, and, you know, hopefully it uh, it ascends as the season goes on as well.
5: Corey Mace is with us, Argo's defensive coordinator. So what's the, for you, you're, you know, you're a, you're a former dean lineman, and you were d-line coach of the stampeders you make the bump to dc uh so like how's the if you if you if, are, are you now are you do you feel even a little bit more comfortable breaking things down defensive backfield wise like how, how how much how much is the overall defensive acumen improved since you've uh taken the reins as dc
4: oh yeah big time i mean i give credit to uh you know guys like bell who's here and you know, some other coaches in Calgary, you know, I was just trying to nitpick picks of people's ears, uh, even when I was just a D-line coach. But now definitely, you know, it has to be, man. So, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time on that studying um, and obviously picking the brains of the you know the coaches in the room to confirmed that what I'm seeing is what they're seeing. Um, so it, it, 100% it has to be, man, in order to make the call sheet as well. So, uh, again, for myself, uh, as far as time, <laughs> time spent uh for being a d-line coach at dc is completely drastic because you do have to look at the full picture of everything but uh i gotta say i i truly enjoy it man it's really fun it's really fun to piece it all together put it all put a plan together
5: yeah how do you like the you, you mentioned the call sheet like being the guy who is now calling every down and that's a lot of pressure but how much how much have you enjoyed that
4: oh i do it's it's a, it's a fun deal and to be honest uh i thought um you know, months, uh, you know, and those guys uh, back then would, and we do it here too, man. Is, uh, they would allow us to call, you know, practice DC, you know, in practice, you know, call a couple periods um, that kind of get you comfortable with that, with the, you know, the, the pressure of things maybe. Um, and we do the same thing here. You know, I'll let the, some of these coaches um, here, you know, call some periods as well in practice, just to get them prepped. And, then, and if nothing else, uh, you never know what kind of ideas might pop up. that somebody else likes it's, be like, you know what, shoot, I never thought about that or whatever. Um, you know, guys who know me, I'm, I'm really go with the flow anyway. So uh, I'm open to seeing and hearing other people's brains from different thought processes, man. So uh, it worked out well, uh, I think, with my time in Calgary for those guys prepping, you know, yeah. as coaches for, for that move. But also, you know, being here and being able to do it on the sideline uh, and during the game. And it's it's fun, not only for the, to, for the call, but, you know, how those players make the calls come to life because shoot whatever we put in is those are just words man these players these players turn that thing into reality so uh that's that's the fun part is just watching these guys uh take what you think works in your brain uh and and they they bring it to fruition on the field
5: so have you uh you know because the next step on the coaching ladder would be head coach like how much are you uh How much are you studying the other side of the ball? And how much are you paying attention to the offensive side of things? Just in case, you know, you need to take that next step.
4: (laughs) No, look, I'm focused on right here, right now, baby. That's (laughs) where my mindset is at. I got to tell you that my my focus is no further than right here in this building. So, uh, you know, that's that's something I think that's on a lot of coaches' uh, bucket list to be a head coach one day. Um, and certainly if that time ever comes, you know, then that'll be addressed. But right now I'm, I'm happy as ever being here and thankful for, for Din, obviously. And, uh, you know, pinball and those guys to, to have the faith and, and hire me over, over here. So heck, I'm just, uh. I'm 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 getting rooted right here, man. So I'm excited for for what we have going on so far and what's to come for the rest of the
0: season. Yeah, it's good answer. Well done, uh, Steinberg. Always fishing for that headline, Mason. Oh yeah, that's what I'm, I'm a bit. I'm a big
5: headline guy. Uh, okay, now I do have to ask you, like whether yeah. it's whether it's uh, Chad and I mean, okay, let, I gotta ask you about your quarterback because. <laughs> You know, I don't know if a lot of people knew what to expect. He'd started one game in the CFL, hadn't started for years before that, going back to his time in college, and here he is. He's uh, a front runner for most outstanding player. How impressed with Chad Kelly have you been?
4: Oh, super impressed. I mean, you see, uh, the, we've seen the flashes of it anyways. Last year, you know, he was the guy that would, you know, give us our look defensively, um, running, the, running the scout cards, uh, making plays, making throws, you know, and doing things with his feet. Uh, which is, you know, we haven't even had to see a ton of yet, but he's very, very capable. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy for, for the things that have, have gone his way and, you know, his ability to take in, you know, the playbook, because it's not the easiest playbook, you know, uh, obviously uh, here with his uh playbook and, you know, uh, the guys out there in Calgary, you know, the playbooks are, they're a little bit extensive. You got to be all on top of it, but you know, kudos to Chad. He was here all off season, man, uh, putting in work. You know, there's no other players around. He's here, and, and any chance he could get, he's flying out. You know, to see his receivers, and he's throwing the ball, or he's got him out here throwing the ball. But he's, you know, he's putting in coaching hours in the off season, uh, watching film, and you know, trying to diagnose some stuff and put stuff together. So, um, I'm not surprised, to be honest with you guys, at all the success that he's had this year. He's got, He's a heck of a talent. Um, and, you know, from his own account, I think he's he's matured for himself and he's completely dialed it. The kid loves football. There's a lot of people who like football a lot, you know, or people who are really good at football. Uh, he loves it and he's good at it. So uh, usually when you marry those two things together, you're you're going to have some kind of success.
0: Corey, what makes Ryan Dinwiddie such a good head coach? I feel like he's pretty unassuming when it comes to, to being one of the head coaches in a league that only has nine teams, but clearly had such great success in Calgary and was able to continue that right into Toronto. When you look at him as a head coach, what do you see as his best strengths and attributes as a head coach?
4: Oh, for sure. I mean, his his brain, the way he sees the game is, I think, next level. Um, and certainly, you know, his ability to hold the team to a standard. You know, he ain't going to move too far from that standard if it's not, you know, what he expects. Uh, you're going to hear about it you know, one way or another, you know, and he does a good job of being able to attack certain um, uh, points with even down to certain individuals, you know, depending on their personalities or whatever. Uh, He's got great control of the room. And he, I think he focuses in on the detail of things, you know, the small things. He doesn't look too far in the past, uh, you know, the small details of the individual day. Uh, He gets the team to focus on it. If you ever you know, not to say that you guys will take the time to listen to Argonaut stuff. You know, that we appreciate that. But if you do, if you listen to a lot of the players talk, they they echo the same things that he talks about every day, man. So, um, it's becoming like second nature and becoming a part of the the DNA of our team, and and that's kudos to RD for sure.
0: Uh, and I'm curious. Uh, I'm sure you've been asked this before since you've been out to Toronto. But is it still special to to take on the red and white like you will on Friday? Just knowing the connections that you guys have, whether it be players on both sides or coaches on both sidelines?
4: No, I mean, I, I think if nothing else, the only special thing is that you get to see your boys, you know what I mean? You okay. Know, yeah. And hours, yeah. Hours and hours or years, I guess, you know, with with some, a group of guys to, you know, not seeing them at all, but it's just good to, to you know, catch up and see people in person. Um, but other than that, man, heck no. Uh, Dude, we're playing a game we're we're playing and i know they, i know they feel the same way too is uh, we, we got a game to win that's that's it man
0: uh and steinberg was mocking us uh, as usual but i gotta ask you your excitement level for another season of chargers football we got herbert all signed up we're ready to go how we feeling about Glad. our boys
4: Lads, are you kidding me you know what it is super bowl baby <laughs> ah, you love to go. hear it
5: steinberg you just love to hear it hey guys i've seen my team win super bowl okay so yeah sure
4: oh,
0: you know. okay whatever <laughs> yeah. whatever good for you pat uh
5: mason before we let you go just what uh, i i knew logan was gonna get that in there <laughs> yeah i was I'm, I'm actually proud of you, i'm proud of you that you got that in there uh what uh What tripped you up last time against the Stampeders? What do you as a group need to do better against what's going to be a, a desperate Calgary team on Friday night?
4: I I think all the small detail stuff that we talk about every week, man, we got to get into second and manageable, uh, uh, our second and long for us is second and manageable. So that means you, you know, you got to control the run game. They did a really good job. I think uh, establishing uh, the run game versus us last year. And and we got to uh, take advantage of uh, getting off the field for our second long and got to go get that ball, man. So uh, those are things that we preach every week, which further proves my point of, you know, this just happens to be the opponent this week, fellas. So we got to stay on the top of our stuff um, over here in Toronto, not really so much of the other guys. So
5: Hey, good to catch up with you. Uh, honestly, congratulations on all the success. Uh, it's it's been uh, it's been awesome to see your group flourish out there in Toronto, man. It's good to catch up with you. Uh, we will talk to you down the line, and good luck the rest of the season. Hey,
4: take care, Corey. Appreciate you guys, man. Miss you, and have a beer at uh, home and away for me.
0: We got we will, you. We will do that yeah. for sure. <laughs> Thanks, Mason. Right. We'll
5: say we'll say hi to Pinder too.
4: Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, you. <laughs>
5: <laughs> see you, Corey. Corey Mace, uh, Toronto Argonauts defensive coordinator, friend of the program, and uh, look, I mean, I know they're the opponents of the the Stampeders on on Friday, and we want the Stamps to do well, and they need the win. But uh, boy, is he a, he's an easy guy. To God, play.
0: he's hard to dislike.
5: All right, it's just, uh, he's just you can't of, do it. One of the coolest guys that they've they've brought into you know when they brought him in as a player, it was a really big coup, and and uh, you know, there's a guy who played in the NFL, and but. You know what he's been able to do and if you just sitting down with cory over the years and, and just listening to that I, I remember watching a game uh a monday night football game with with cory and you know similar to other people who just know this whatever sport they are in you sit beside guys and you're like whether it's you know former nhlers and they see things that you just wouldn't see and I just remember him talking. We were watching Aaron Donald play. It was uh uh Donald had had just gotten to the Rams and we were watching him play and like he's picking up things just on Aaron Donald that I would never have seen. Like, no way I would've he's like, Oh man, like the the way that he crossed over his feet here and like and and obviously that's D-line, D line, yeah. but like just the things that this guy see, like football savant and uh He's he's gonna be a head coach in this league, no doubt about
0: it. Absolutely, you can just hear it when he talks. The the detail that he applies, uh, the work that he puts in, the, this ascension to, you know, from player to D line coach to yep. defensive coordinator. You, you don't rise up the ranks if you're not doing the right things, putting in the work. I think guys love playing for him, and I think that'll apply as soon as he becomes a head coach as well. Whenever that that opportunity comes for. him. And look, it's, it's a different league, right? There's nine teams here. It's not always uh, a ton of opportunity. I know, I I believe it was Farhan Lalji who had said he was in contention for Ottawa's previous job. You know, I assume there'll be more opportunities down the road. Just it has to be the timing and the fit right for Corey. And I think whenever that happens, it's going to be a good fit for both sides.
5: Uh, Big game for the Stampeders. They got a huge test uh, on Friday night in Toronto, but, you know, this at this time of year, like it does not matter who you're playing. I mean, they're all measuring stick games in a lot of ways for the Stampeders because they've got a uh, they've got a really really difficult finish to the season. And the only games that you say you know you're confident that they can come away with the win, those two games against Edmonton. And even then, I don't think those are going to be gimmies either.
0: Uh, no, not the way the Elks are playing. And if all of a sudden, the Elks are walking into. Uh, Those back-to-back games with Calgary ending their season losing streak and potentially ending their home losing streak. This weekend against Ottawa, you're going to talk about a team that's got a lot of confidence. And to be honest, what's one of the things that have given the Stampeders the most problems defensively, Pat? Mobile quarterbacks. And Trey Ford's got that written all over him. Uh, He's going to be tough to stop regardless of how the Stamps are playing. Yep, Pretty good. was That was great. Thanks for setting that up. Appreciate Corey taking the time. Uh, to join us today, he did so down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Guest hotline CFL week kicks off tomorrow. Looking forward to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers taking on the Montreal Alouettes. Zach Colaros back in the lineup for Winnipeg as they kick off the week of action. Stamps Argos on Friday. Uh, we'll look forward to that one as well. Thank you to my outstanding producers Cam and Taylor on this Wednesday afternoon. Thank you to Eduardo Insignia and Corey Mace for joining us on the program. You can find both of those interviews. Up on the Sportsnet Today podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher. Keep it locked. You're on Sportsnet 960, the fan.